Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional upheaval. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Fairmount Plus. Welcome back to the official Winning Time podcast from HBO. I'm Rodney Barnes, executive producer on the show. Today we've got a very special pre-finale bonus episode with the real-life Jeannie Buss, the owner and president of the Los Angeles Lakers. Jeannie, thank you very much for sitting down with us today. You actually left your honeymoon to come here and talk to us today. <laughs> and I wanted to thank you first, but um, can you talk about the person you married? <laughs> He's a great actor. <laughs> As the show was being filmed, mm -hmm. I got engaged mm -hmm. to Jay Moore and... He came home one night and said, you know, I got offered a part in the yes. HBO show Winning Time. You know, how do you feel about that? And I said, you're an actor. <laughs> you you have to take the part. <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> That's true. what you do. do. Yeah. So, you know, he he's got a, a, a small part. You know, maybe he's going to get typecast as a sports agent, but he <laughs> yeah. plays a sports agent. So, you know, don't blink uh, yes. or otherwise you'll miss his scene. He's a terrific actor, and I couldn't be more proud of him. My first question, when you first heard that HBO was going to make this show based on Jeff Perlman's book, Showtime, what were your first thoughts? Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of stories and could anybody really do it justice because it was such an important time in the NBA, in the city of Los Angeles, mm -hmm. professional sports, and all the characters. And, you know, Jeff Perlman did a nice job on the book, but there's still a lot of uh, yes. material in there. I'm sure, I'm sure. So what did you think of the show once you saw it? I have a different view than oh, anybody course. else because since I was there growing up in the middle of it all, to look back at it, the things that were so well done in the show, especially the enthusiasm that Jerry Buss mm -hmm. had for the Lakers for building something special, yes. his being captivated by Magic Johnson and the relationship that they built. I think that's really important for people involved in mm -hmm. the sports business and the marketing business. You'd never really seen, you know, no, a, an never. owner or a, and a top player bond the way that they did and that the partnership that they created and the success that they had from it, I think, is a, a learning lesson for people in our business. And I think it was really, really well captured by the writers and by the actors who were portraying Magic and Dr. Bus and Kareem and the whole cast. is really spectacular. Thank you. I, I think it really was a unique time. Up until that point, it seemed like owners really didn't 
fraternize that much with players or didn't have that the intimacy with players at that time. And I think Dr. Buss sort of ushered in a new era of relationships with players that I think actually helped empower the player in a different type of way. You know, my dad grew up in a, you know, a time that was really difficult. Yes. His mother remarried when he was young, and his stepfather would mm-hmm. not adopt him. Right. And it was something that my dad had to carry Mm -hmm. his whole life, was growing up in a family where he had a different last name. Right. You know, so when he built the Lakers, he wanted everybody to feel included. Right. Everybody could be a Laker fan. It was really about he wanted everybody to feel a part of what he was building and no truer reflection of that than when he, you know, reaches out to magic and says, I'm looking for a partner in this. Mm -hmm. I want somebody that's as passionate as I am, who wants to win, who wants to do something unique and has never been done. And there's a scene in the show where they literally are at a, you know, drive-in hamburger stand. And my dad knew every (laughs) one, and he had them ranked. And, you know, when we would go somewhere, you know, it would be like, and Jeannie, when we go to, you know, the sports arena on the way is Gooey Louie's. We're going to go to Gooey Louie's before (laughs) the the game tonight. And um, having that scene play out in the parking lot with my dad's Rolls Royce Mm -hmm. and the two of them talking about, the bond that they had and and what they wanted to build, you know, they just found a kindred spirit in each mm-hmm. other. They were each other's soulmates. And there was an age difference, a background difference, but it all melted away. And, you know, my dad really wanted success and to give to the city of Los Angeles mm-hmm. a team that they could be proud of. That passion was real. And it was very well reflected in the series. You know, it it feels sometimes like Hollywood has a boundary up between its fans. But the Lakers feel like family in a way. That even players who leave are still connected to the organization in a very unique way. Everyone still feels like they're a Laker if you ever were a Laker. Again, you know, going back to how my dad grew up and feeling left out, Mm -hmm. and he never wanted anybody to feel left out. And, you know, there's a funny story about— I mean, it, was, it wasn't funny to Vlade Divac, but one of our <laughs> popular players in the day who ended up, Jerry West, mm-hmm. you know, had to trade him right. in order to get Kobe, Kobe Bryant. And Vlade didn't want to go. He mm-hmm. didn't want to leave Los Angeles. And my dad convinced him and said, literally, you have to do this for the team. <laughs> you have to agree to go. You got to get out of here. And, and, you know, he did. And then, of course, you know, Vlade came back and finished out his playing career as a mm-hmm. Laker. So there was a lot of intent about making this a family and mm-hmm. continuing in that even to today. And I think in the, the series, 
especially for people who weren't born or were too yeah. young to remember uh, the Magic Johnson, Larry Bird era, mm -hmm. and who are NBA fans today. This is a history lesson, not only in the Lakers, but in what the NBA was going through and this transformation and really the beginning of sports marketing. You know, the series, it's a lesson in basketball, it's a lesson in marketing, business, family. Mm -hmm. There's some things that might have been exaggerated <laughs> or a little bit, yes. you know, for dramatic purposes. You know, my, my unfortunately, my grandmother had already passed yes. before my dad bought the team. And for me, I enjoyed watching. She would have gotten such a kick out of it if she was alive. So I excuse the, the inaccuracy <laughs> because it's like the kind of stuff that you, you dream about that, you know, I wish grandma Sally was Field here. Sally Field was pretty good. And, and to have as Sally well. Field yeah. as, as Jesse Buss was a, a pretty great casting. So what's it like seeing someone play you on screen? It's a humbling, <laughs> very humbling. And, you know, I get a kick out of people who say, well, like, she's not even blonde. And I'm like, well, neither am I. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, you have to compare her to, you know, Jeannie in the 80s as yeah. opposed to Jeannie today. But I think she did a terrific job. I think that people who are interested in understanding how I got to be where I am today. Yeah. Because being the first woman in the NBA to mm -hmm. win a championship, you know, maybe there's some people who had never heard my name before. Well, if you want to understand what my background and how I evolved into where I am today, you know, you, you get my early history yes. and, you know, what my dad saw in me that made him feel confident that he could put the team in my control and that he knew what I would bring to the job and, and what he instilled in me. And that's why I'm here today. What would you say was a key scene or moment within your career here with the Lakers that we left out of the show? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, what I, I can't believe is how much you did capture. People don't understand, like, how tricky it was for my dad to get the team mm -hmm. to begin with and how, you know, Jack Kent Cook, you know, owned the the Washington football team in the NFL, and then he owned the Lakers and the Kings and the Forum, and he was in the process of getting a divorce. Mm. So my dad saw that as an opportunity <laughs> to start, you know, uh, working the, the system, so to speak, to convince Cook that he needed to sell him the teams. It was like a, a two-year process, but, it, you know, my dad wasn't going to be denied, and it was— craziness and and the idea that it was touched on in the series mm -hmm. I hope then people will do a, a deep dive and read more about it because it really was you know spectacular what was pulled off and then of course my dad wanted Jerry Tarkanian mm -hmm. as the original yes. coach of the Lakers that was his first choice and he was a coach at UNLV University of Nevada at yeah, Las Vegas and he met with his agent and then 
a few hours later, the agent was found yes. in the trunk of his car, uh, murdered, and he had a similar car to my dad's. Mm. So all of a sudden, he's calling me and saying, where are you, Jeannie? Yeah. I got to find you. You got to stay home. You, wow. you know, the FBI has... They don't know if the hit was supposed to be on me, you know, and I'm like, wait a minute, what is happening? <laughs> what are you talking about? This dad, this you basketball. know, like, right, yeah. like you bought a team and now you're telling me the FBI is like, I mean, it was like our lives changed so much in a blink of an eye and it all came so fast, you know, but my dad, like, he was having the time of his life. He loved all of the intrigue and the challenges. And John C. Riley is absolutely breathtaking as my dad. He's absolutely fabulous. And I got a chance to meet him mm -hmm. at a Laker game. I literally crossed paths with him in the chairman's room at the arena and I thought for a second I really should introduce myself to him because I knew he was playing my dad. So I introduced myself to him. And the look on his face, he goes, are you throwing me out? <laughs> and I go, why would I throw you out? Like, I, you know, I said, I just, I really want you to hear this story. I have to tell you this story that, you know, one of the things that my dad and I did, one of our passions was to go to the movies. Mm -hmm. We had seen the movie Chicago, mm. and John C. Riley, you know, was fantastic in that film. And after we watched the film, my dad said to me, he goes, I think he's going to win an award. Mm. He was really good. And, you know, when somebody that can yeah. be so funny can play such a tragic mm -hmm. character, I said, I think he'd be really honored that you were playing him. He told us about it shortly thereafter, and he was incredibly honored by it. So, thank you. Even the way he smoked a cigarette. I don't know if he saw footage of my dad smoking a cigarette. <laughs> he studied he, a lot. He studied he, I a mean, lot. he's yeah. what a professional, like to like bring those nuances to his performance. Mm -hmm. Anybody who loved my dad would, would love to see this. So, you had a unique perspective when you saw the clothes for the first time, and... How did that make you feel to see your dad again in those clothes? You know, my dad had a very distinct way of dressing. Mm -hmm. He was known for wearing blue jeans, and that was that was like his rebellion against, you know, <laughs> having to wear a tie and being a self-made man, like yeah. the shirts unbuttoned down here. But I my jaw dropped because the detail in his wardrobe. I'm like, that's exactly the clothes he was wearing to the patterns of the shirt and the houndstooth jacket and the belt with the buckle. And I was just so blown away. And then someone shared with me that they they actually tracked down yeah. my dad's former tailor who had since passed away, but his son took over the business. He still mm -hmm. had the patterns of the Dr. Bus cut. And yeah. That just, it warms my heart so much that there was so much care given mm -hmm. in in portraying this man that was complicated and interesting. And now people would think, oh, well, blue jeans are so easy. Everybody wears blue jeans. But my dad, it was like he, he wanted to look sharp and look good, but still with his style. And just to see that 
captured, I really, really appreciate. So we recreated Pickfair. Mm -hmm. How do you think we did? I was absolutely, like, dumbfounded that the, like, the detail of Pickfair with the Western bar and the staircase, and there's one conversation where my character is talking to her dad on the stairs. Mm -hmm. And I can't tell you how many conversations we had in exactly that wow. position because we mm -hmm. love that staircase. Yeah. I mean, it, it was uh, the centerpiece of the house. And to see that resurrected because mm -hmm. when the house was sold in um, the late 80s, it was bought and torn down. And, you know, it was really a place that old Hollywood had really embraced. Mm -hmm. And and so, you know, in the storyline of our lives, you know, moving into Pickfair, you know, my dad was like on the, you know, on the sports pages in the LA Times every day. But when we moved into Pickfair, all of a sudden we were like Hollywood. Oh. And we spent years putting the house back together, and I would give guided tours, oh, okay. you know, and I knew the history of the house. And, you know, so to see Pickfair again was really um, just amazing. And then there's a detail that myself and my brother Johnny, we noticed it right away, but there was a movie my dad produced back in the early 70s when he— had some money and decided, hey, why not invest in a film? And it was called Black Eye. And there's the movie poster of the film behind the bar, yeah. along with all the USC football yeah. memorabilia. Um, I mean, it just, it was like a, like an Easter egg hunt. Did you know you wanted to be an owner? Um, you know, I, I think just growing up in it, it's like second nature. And, mm -hmm. you know, when uh, my dad bought me the L.A. Strings, mm -hmm. put me in charge of it, and I remember going to him and saying, hey, Dad, you know, what, you know, I'm trying to build the roster. What, you know, can I get your advice? And he was like, no, I want you to do this yourself. Wow. I want you to know what it's like to get the credit if you succeed, mm -hmm. but also the blame if you don't. So then I have somebody that can understand what yeah. I'm going yeah. through. Yeah, for sure. So it was like he felt kind of isolated, mm -hmm. and he wanted us to have that shared experience. Wow. In the show, the Jerry Buss character doesn't see Jeannie as his heir apparent. How accurate was that? I mean— over the years, he would try to teach me how to play poker. Mm -hmm. And I am terrible at cards. <laughs> I don't like to gamble. It's just not in my nature. And so he would force me <laughs> to, to, like, give me lessons. No, you got to try. You got to try. I know you could be good. And finally, after a few years and several tears of mine later, he goes, you understand why I'm trying to teach you this, right? 
And I was like, no, I don't get it. I don't like to, I don't like it. <laughs> and he said, people think that poker is, you know, about going all in and like he goes, it's it's not. Poker's a game of stamina and patience. Mm-hmm. And you have to be very patient and you have to wait for the cards. And he said, and I know you can do that. That's that's who you are. Right. He said, but when you get the cards, you have to be able to go from zero to a hundred like that without mm-hmm. a doubt. And he goes, that's the part I'm not exactly sure you have. Uh. That always stuck with me. And I do, I, I tend to overthink things and I'm very cautious and very much about, you know, really examining everything to a detail. Mm-hmm. So when we had the opportunity to trade for Anthony Davis, Mm -hmm. it was one of those things that we had acquired all this young talent like Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball and Josh Hart. And, you know, I was getting attached to them. The the fans were getting attached to the baby Lakers was what Mm -hmm. they called them. So now here we are giving them up to get Anthony Davis and, you know, it was like a gamble. Like, now you got to push mm-hmm. it all in. And that deal led us to a championship. That it did. And I think he would have been really proud that I didn't overthink or I didn't, <laughs> you know, shy away yes. from the moment when, you know, everybody's going to second guess, did you make the right decision? Was that the right choice? So Muhammad Ali had Frazier— Borg had McEnroe, and the Lakers have the Celtics. Yeah. How important would you say the Celtics are to the story of the Los Angeles Lakers? You don't know who you are until someone pushes you you to be the best you can be. And the scenes in the series where— Red Arbach is mm-hmm. just torturing my dad. <laughs> and, you know, people were like, oh, did Red really say that? And I'm like, it, it, the tapes were playing in my dad's head. Wow. And whether he said it or not, <laughs> yeah. that's how it felt. Like right. I, this guy's breathing down my neck, blowing his cigar smoke <laughs> in my face. Again, like it's so well captured. And that, you know, for people who don't really understand the angst that losing, losing was hard enough, but losing to the Celtics yeah. just felt like it was that much more weight on top of your shoulders that you were never going to get out from underneath. Uh, when you see Quincy Isaiah, who plays Magic, and Solomon Hughes, who plays Kareem, what do you feel when you see those performances? Does it bring any sentiment along oh, the way? Absolutely. Um you know, there there's one scene where Quincy winks at the camera, and I'm like, I've seen that wink a hundred <laughs> times. I know that wink. He's got it down, um, and that that he captures that essence of you know magic, just playing with joy, and that's a hard part to cast, and he does a terrific job. And then, of course, um, you know Solomon. Um, what a challenging role to take yeah. on Kareem. There's Big so time. many layers of of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and who he is mm-hmm. and what he's meant to society. Mm-hmm. And um, to capture him in this part of his life, I think he does a terrific job as well. 
Fantastic. So knowing where we're going to in the 84 championships and knowing the outcome, um, where would you like to see us go in regards to the future? <laughs> I mean, you have to let us redeem ourselves and, and finally <laughs> beat the, the Celtics yes. in 85. And I think even a heartbreaking moment when Magic had to retire from yes. HIV that, you know, I still have to explain to people that was only 12 years into his career. Mm -hmm. He had a lot more basketball yes, to did. play. And I think that's a moment that you talk about a person in the right place and to be a leader mm -hmm. and to step up. We were all a wreck that day of the press conference. I remember the press conference, yeah. And Magic was the one holding us up. Wow. What a... Um, a difference he made in bringing awareness to a disease. And, uh, you know, he never flinched. Not knowing what the future holds, how do you think we um, did in portraying these two seasons with your dad, the Laker organization, everything? It's not enough. There's more. There's more stories to tell. And, and like, <laughs> the evolution of Pat Riley. Yep. You know, I had the experience, and it, it's it's reflected in, in the show, where I one day I'm walking down the hallway at the forum, and I'm like, hey, Riles. And he literally stops me, and he, Jeannie, I'm coach now. You have to call me coach. And it was like, <laughs> okay, whatever. And, like, and that he really, that was where he wanted to be, and he was going to stand his ground. Wanted to thank you for all the contributions. We wouldn't have a show if it weren't for everything that your family, the Laker organization, everything that you guys have accomplished is why we're here today. So I just wanted to thank you on behalf of all of us. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And it's like, let's all thank Dr. Bass. Yes, very much so. It's his vision. That's it for this bonus episode of the official Winning Time podcast. Make sure to tune in on Sunday, September 17th to catch the season finale. The final installment of this season's podcast comes out immediately after that episode airs on HBO. I'm Rodney Barnes. We'll talk to you then. The official Winning Time podcast is a production of HBO, Hyperobject Industries, and Pineapple Street Studios. Our producers are Bria Mariette, Noah Camuso, and Elliot Adler. Darby Maloney is our editor. Our engineers are Harry Nelson, Davey Sumner, and Jason Richards. Our executive producers at Hyperobject Industries are Harry Nelson and Claire Slaughter, with production support from Zaley Mahoney. Our executive producers from Pineapple Street Studios are Gabriel Lewis and Barry Finkel. Our production music is courtesy of HBO. Special thanks to Michael Gluckstadt and Savon Slater at HBO Podcasts.